Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares a Mideast Prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. As Pastor J.D. will explain in today's message, no matter what you think about the virus or the world's response to it, this pandemic is a clear reminder of how fallen and weak humanity is, and in contrast, how God alone is steadfast. And if your trust is in anything or anyone else, you can expect to be let down. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on May 3rd, 2020. Well, I realize that this is very bad news, but I've often said, and I know it's not proper English, the badder the bad news is, the gooder the good news will be. And yes, this is bad news, but the gooder news is that Jesus came to save us. We are not going to be wiped out in this world. We're going to be taken out of this world. This fallen evil world is not our final destination. I believe, and I've shared this, and I'm going to share it again, but I truly believe that one of the main reasons that God has allowed this global crisis, planned or not, is to remind us of this one truth. Here's the truth. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. And I think as Christians we do err greatly when we plant the roots of our lives too deeply into the temporal soil of this earth. The things of this world are passing away sooner, I believe, than any of us could possibly imagine. Well, this brings me back to the question of what's really going on here? What is this really about? And here's the answer. This is about the soon return of Jesus Christ in the rapture of the church. I'm going to say it again. Everything that's going on, everything that's happening, this global crisis, the likes of which we've never seen before, nor are likely to ever see again, is about the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. And I'll explain how I get there if you'll kindly indulge me and bear with me. Enter what I would argue is one of the most profound prophetic passages in the Bible 
found in, of all places, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I say it like that because prior to this pandemic, we were going through 2 Thessalonians. We were almost done with chapter 1, and I was so looking forward to chapter 2 for what I think would be deemed obvious reasons. And then this crisis hit, and I've been sitting on this for the better part of a month, praying about this, asking the Lord about this. Lord, I, I see that the delay in getting to Second Thessalonians 2 was really sort of divine in the sense that what we're seeing now, I believe, is exactly what Second Thessalonians 2 describes. Now, we're not going to go through this in depth today. It's not my intention to teach this passage expositionally, but I do want to take and tackle verses 1 through 12 of Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I am still hoping, Lord willing, to expound on this chapter, particularly verse 3, and I'll explain why in a moment. But it is my belief that right now this chapter in God's Word, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, has never been more important than it is now. I do need to preface this first by encouraging you to get your hands on a copy of a book that was written by Dr. Andy Woods titled, The Falling Away, Spiritual Departure or Physical Rapture, A Second Look at 2 Thessalonians 2.3. In it, he presents 10 reasons as to why the falling away, often referred to as the great apostasy, is actually speaking of the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. Now why is this important? Because it has the potential to change the entire complexion of this profound prophecy in God's Word. So again, bear with me. I appreciate your patience with me. I want to read verses 1 through 12, and then make a couple of comments concerning its application to what we are seeing in the world today. Now, Paul again is writing, it's his second letter to this church in Thessalonica. It's believed it was about a year after, I got to give you the backstory here. It was about a year after his first letter, which by the way, was his first letter. The very first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote by the Holy Spirit was to the church in Thessalonica. And in our study through First Thessalonians, it became abundantly clear that Paul loved these new believers there in Thessalonica so much, and he longed to go back there, but couldn't. He was actually <laughs> ran out of town. Some believe that he may have only been there for about three weeks, three Sabbaths, a month, maybe a little bit more, but not much more than a, a month or so. And so he's ran out of town, but he has such a 
a love for these believers there in this church. And what's really striking to me about First and Second Thessalonians is, this is a, a young church. These are new believers in that young church. And would you believe that the Apostle Paul had the audacity to teach them this new church with new believers in a period of maybe a month, he had the audacity to teach them about the pre-tribulation rapture. No! I think that speaks volumes. And so he writes the second letter, because apparently between the first and the second letter, somebody forged the letter as if from Paul saying, sorry, I know Paul taught you about the rapture, but you missed it. And they are freaking out, for lack of a better way of saying it. So Paul writes by the Holy Spirit this second letter. And it's the second chapter in the second letter that has such specificity concerning prophecy that I think any Christian who believes in the pre-tribulation rapture would be grossly remiss were they not to understand this particular passage in God's Word. So now, verse 1, the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him. That's the rapture. That's the rapture our gathering together to Him, being caught up to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. And then verse 3, he says this, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the... I'm going to quote from the Geneva Bible in the year 1608, pre-1611 King James, the word translated in the Geneva Bible and many others like it, is the word departure. And sadly, unfortunately, regrettably even, it has been translated in modern translations as falling away. I remember having a conversation, I don't want to go too in depth into this because I want to get into the rest of the passage, because again, I believe it speaks to where we're at and where this is all going. But I had a conversation with a, a very respected Bible scholar, really, a, truly a Bible scholar, of which I am not. And uh, he does not share the belief that this is the rapture, but rather it is a falling away. But he made an interesting comment to me a couple years ago now, I've never forgot it. He said, J.D., if that 
is the rapture in verse 3, then it is a quote, slam dunk for the pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, about January into February when this thing really started to change everything in our world, in the back of my mind I, I, I just, I kept thinking 2 Thessalonians 2, 2 Thessalonians 2. And the conclusion I came to was this, that if there was ever a time to believe in the pre-tribulation rapture it is now, and not to be wishy-washy. And certainly that's the case with this particular passage, more specifically verse 3. Because if it is the rapture, and I'm convinced that it is, and for those of you who know me, you know I've struggled with this, I've been conflicted with this, I've gone back and forth with this, but I can stand before you today with certainty and assure you that this is speaking of the rapture of the church in verse 3. Now, Paul says, listen, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the rapture comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshiped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember, verse 5, that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that He may be revealed in His own time. Now pay particular attention to verse 7. This is key. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only He who now restrains, speaking of the Holy Spirit, will do so until He, the Holy Spirit, is taken out of the way. There is some debate as to whether or not the Holy Spirit is taken out of the earth at the time of the rapture. I am personally of the belief, though not dogmatic about it, that the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. But I think the Holy Spirit will still be present. But the Holy Spirit currently dwells in the believer. So when we are taken out, the Holy Spirit is then taken out of the way with us. And then, verse 8, the lawless one will be revealed. Who's that? Oh, the Antichrist. Okay, wait. So Paul is saying that the Antichrist cannot be revealed until the church is removed in the rapture. Yes! Can I say it again? <laughs> I don't have anybody here to say no, so I'm going to say it again. Paul is saying that the Antichrist cannot be revealed until the church is removed in the rapture. And again, I be a Berean, Search the Scriptures yourself, rightly divide the word of truth. This is the truth. 
So, verse 8, after the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way, after the church is removed, then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of His mouth, and destroy with the brightness of His coming. Now, verse 9, we get really specific here, and this is what I really want to focus on. The coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and verse 10, with all unrighteous deception, deception among those who perish. Why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, verse 11, and this is a tough one, pretty strong. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe, notice, the lie. Wait, stop right there. The lie? Not a lie, the lie. Yeah. Hmm. Who's the truth? Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it stand to reason that if Jesus Christ is the truth, that the Antichrist is the lie? Maybe you're having difficulty with this notion that God would Himself send them this strong delusion, this ensuing deception that is so powerful, so strong, that they actually fall for it and believe it. And verse 12, it gets worse. They all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So let's answer our question from this passage, this prophecy here in God's Word. What's this really about? Well, I would submit that this is about the rapture of the church, which is sooner than any of us could possibly imagine, because, here's why, we're already seeing this deception, this delusion, this strong delusion, and things aren't making sense, things aren't adding up, something's not quite right here, doesn't, doesn't pass the smell test, if you prefer. And isn't it interesting, verse 7, that already lawlessness is at work. Some of your translations render that word iniquity. That's yeah, fine. <laughs> the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. You know, right now, and it's going to get worse. Mark my words. There is a 
great conflict coming. On one side of the conflict you have those, Christian or not, who are going to say, don't open up, we don't want people to die. Because you see, fear is so powerful. You can control the masses with fear. I was in the store this last week, and people are, I mean, I'm starting to take it personal. I don't know about about you. You probably are doing the same thing. But you know, like when my wife and I and our daughter, and we take our dog for a walk to the beach, and and so we're walking, and of course everybody's out, because that's where else are they going to be. And so we're, we're walking, and somebody's coming in the opposite direction. They see us coming, and they, they, they're like, they avoid us like the plague, you might say. Hmm, isn't that interesting? So you got one side of this conflict saying, no, don't open up. We don't want people to die. Then you have other people on the other side of that argument saying, uh, we're going to die if you don't open up. And then you got this other side saying, yeah, well, you care more about the economy than you do about people's lives. We've had this discussion here amongst us, off camera, off the record. (laughs) And the question is, let's say that we get the green light, And Hawaii says, okay, churches can gather again. What's that going to look like? What's that going to be like? Are we going to be required to wear masks? Are we going to be required to uh, be six feet apart? How about this? Will we have to show some sort of proof that we don't have this coronavirus? And if so, what does that proof look like? You know, it's interesting when I'm doing my research, almost invariably, without exception, an ad pops up on the article that I'm reading for one of these forehead temperature readers. I mean, I ain't going to buy one of those. (laughs) And they got pictures of of, uh, people using these it takes your temperature to see if you have a fever, and they they scan your forehead. Are you kidding me? It worked. It worked. Not present tense, not even so much future tense. I'm talking past tense. It already worked. Lawlessness is already at work. I was uh, commenting prior to the uh, live stream about how that if I were the devil, (laughs) And I'm not. I know. Anyway, Paul Harvey, if I were the devil, I'd love that. But if I were the devil, and I wanted to possess this Antichrist figure to control the entire world, this would be the perfect way. And, dare I add, the perfect time. Thanks for joining us for this special Mideast Prophecy Update edition of In Spirit and Truth. We understand how important it is to know what God's Word says, especially in our world today. All around us, we see violence and despair running seemingly unchecked. We do what we can to alleviate these crises we encounter 
But all the while, we know evil is waiting right around the corner. The Bible tells us that Jesus will return one day and finally wipe the enemy's influence from the face of the earth forever. This event is closer than we may think, and it's important to know what to expect. The prophecies we read in the Bible can be confusing, but they do provide us with clues as to what we'll see unfolding in our world as we near the return of our King. Each week in the Mideast Prophecy Update, Pastor J.D. takes a look at the current events happening around the globe and holds them up to the lens of God's Word. He shares what God reveals to him with you each week. This information is not meant to scare you, but rather to inspire you to take the gospel message out into the world. Every person needs to have the chance to meet Jesus before he returns and to know what his love and grace can do for them. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available to you on our YouTube channel as well or through our mobile app. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to find links to both. Thanks for listening today and be sure to join us for the next update right here on In Spirit and Truth.